You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 and 11 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning, I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. Coming up, while Donald Trump tells voters to pretend he's on the ballot, midterm voters must have some other issues on their minds. We'll talk with political scientists in other parts of the country as the political junkie joins us now. I'd like to hear what's on your mind. If you voted early, which issue was uppermost in your mind? If you're waiting until Election Day... Is there a priority that comes out of your household experience? Is that what you're going to be thinking about as you go to the polls? So if you voted early, what was primarily on your mind as you made your selections? And if you're waiting till Election Day, what are you thinking about? Could your mind change between now and then? Here's the phone number, 651-227-6000. 800-242-2828. Talk to me about it on Twitter. It's at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I, M-P-R. The political junkie Ken Rudin joins us. Hi, Ken. Good to talk to you. Two weeks to go, my friend. It's going to be Two busy. Two weeks to go. Wow. It's hard no, to it's, believe. It's already, it's already busy, and voters are energized. I mean, both Democrats and Republicans. Even more so interesting is that we've known for the longest time that Democrats have been energized, and we could say that they've been energized since January 1st of 2017. But at least in the ad- aftermath of Kavanaugh, Republicans look like they're energized as well. You know, I, I'm interested in what you make of some of these federal fundraising reports, Ken, because often you can tell where the money's flowing, right, how that measures a certain amount of enthusiasm. Significant advance in fundraising for Democrats in House races. And here's my question for you. Is a lot of the money coming in because Democrats believe that they are in with, within striking distance of taking the House, or does the party out of power always raise a lot of money in the midterms? Well, no, I don't think that's the case. I kind of think that if uh, having the presidency is a big boost for the party, uh, for the party that has the presidency. So in other words, um, Democrats who have raised, you know, the party, if, if you're out of the White House and you don't have a president who can raise money for you, sometimes you are at a disadvantage. But you're absolutely right. The fact that the Democrats do feel they are at the cusp of retaking control of the House has has led to many more people giving, but we've also seen big money's big big money coming in from Republican donors as well, especially those who feel that you know we we they need a check on uh, they need a check on Democratic overreach as we saw Republicans overreach in '94 after the Newt Gingrich revolution. So both sides are have a big uptick in in, in fundraising. Uh, the Republicans do have more money on hand right now. Democrats have spent much more. But it's one thing to it's also very important to know where you're spending your money. It's one thing to spend it. I always go back to the 2012 Obama Romney race mm-hmm. where they both had the same number of amount of money. But Romney spent a lot of it on TV, whereas Democrats spent a lot of money going door to door, field operations, grassroots efforts. And ultimately, I think that is more effective than just blanketing TV waves. Interesting. So it it matters how much you bring in, but it also matters how you deploy the money that you're bringing in, especially absolutely, especially when we voters uh, are divided and living within communities um, where now they are reachable, right, on an individual level by the campaigns. That's 
that's ever, you know, being more and more refined as we go through campaigns. It's easy for the campaigns to find you. That's absolutely true. And I think it, it made a big difference both in Obama's race in 2008 against Hillary Clinton and then again against uh, John McCain and, and Mitt Romney in the two elections. So so I think, you know, how you spend it is much you could have you know, a gazillion dollars. But all, if you're just going to blanket the airwaves, you know, I, I kind of think the last week or two of the campaign, people tune it out. You know, I've been to Iowa, New Hampshire uh, and other states when there are hot races uh, blanketing the airwaves and people just become numb. They just become inert to it because it's just like a, enough already, enough already. And they turn off their TV. Right. But it's 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 more difficult to ignore the doorbell from ringing. Uh, and that can be very effective. Ken Rudin with us on this Monday, about two weeks out to Election Day. And I'm asking you about which issue is uppermost in your mind. If you're voting early, maybe you've already voted what was on your mind as you voted? And if you're waiting until Election Day, is there a priority that's first and foremost in your mind? And might you change your mind about the candidates? Um, I don't know how often that happens, but we're in a very dynamic political season. So I'd be interested in hearing from you on that. 651-227-6000, By the way, uh, a show at 11 o'clock on early voting, where Minnesota stands and where some of the other states are really innovating around this. So I hope you'll listen in at 11 on Twitter at Carrie NPR to Bruce in Bloomington. Hi, Bruce. How are you thinking about this? Good morning. Uh, I do not want Minnesota to become a sanctuary state similar to California. Um, That's just too much burden on the taxpayers, in my opinion. And by sanctuary state, you mean what? Open borders. Okay, allowing refugees, perhaps some of the people who are headed towards the southern border now to come into Minnesota? Absolutely. Okay. So, Ken, uh, this has become uh, an issue that the president has been talking about for a long time. But now we have this issue of people leaving violence uh, and uh, a poor economy in Central America, and they've created what is being called a caravan to come north. And the president is talking about this nonstop. And I think it's an effective issue. I mean, if you look at the front pages of almost every newspaper in the country this morning, you'll see the caravan of thousands of people that obviously started, I guess, Guatemala and Honduras. It was interesting that the president, you heard in the newscast, that the president is talking about uh, cutting off aid to those starving countries, which, of course, is so self-defeating. But basically, if they're not going to keep their people from leaving and going through Mexico, trying to come to the U.S., uh, Trump says he's going to punish those countries. And I think that is the big divide between the two parties, because the Democrats keep saying that the Republicans are going to you know, hurt your health care, that you know, pre-existing conditions and things like that, and Democrats will focus on health care while the Republicans, led by the president, and say, well, look, you know, um, uh, their border security is paramount and illegal immigration is paramount. They, they're coming and they will take your job. So, so I think that is really the definition or at least a defining difference between the two parties. And again, as I said, if you look at the front pages of the papers, I think that is 
helping the Republican Party, especially in some of these border communities in California, in Texas and Florida, uh, where Latinos voting strength is strong, but the resentment against what's coming over the border uh, is also paramount. Ken, uh, you said that the president's view on cutting off aid to these countries is self-defeating. Explain what you mean. I mean, a lot of this is is people are leaving because of economic purposes. Is that it? Well, that's ex- that's exactly it. I mean, of course, they're also leaving from from violence, uh, trying to escape from violence. And I don't know what how much U.S. aid can prevent that. But it's also they're leaving from you know, desperately poor economic conditions. And so for the president to say, I'm going to withdraw money, I'm going to end aid to Honduras and Guatemala because of this situation, well, they're starving as it is. And so it just seems like it's, I mean, it's it's it's, it's self-defeating by the, the point of logic, but politically, you know, it's a, it's a, just like, look, just like when the president says, I'm going to withdraw from the INF treaty with Russia, to me, that sounds like a frightening prospect but I can understand why he feels that, you know, he said, well, look, they're cheating on us and therefore I'm going to you know, take my marbles and go away. Which is something President Obama large... was aware of, too. Right. I mean, it... right. I President... mean, he, he, he made the same complaints right. four years ago that the Russians were cheating, but he didn't end the treaty. So, I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, to do something in a fit of peak. Then another thing to not realize the long term consequences. And that's what I fear in a situation where cutting off aid to Honduras and Guatemala would be self-defeating. Call here from John in Minneapolis. Hi, John. How are you seeing this? By the way, have you already voted or are you waiting till Election Day? Oh, no, I usually like to go vote on Election Day. OK, so yeah, I, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about I, I'm thinking about our two senators and, and generally about, you know, the Democrats and Senate, and the Senate, who continually vote for these huge increases in military spending when we have so many other pressing domestic needs, uh, you know, just like education, health care, uh, you name it, infrastructure, and all this money keeps going to the military, and I think it's just downright unconscionable. Uh, John, I'm really glad you brought this up because, Ken, we have not heard a lot of conversation about how President Trump has increased the military spending in the budget. I, I guess other issues are crowding that out, but I agree with John. That is something to be aware of. It is, and no, absolutely true. And I I'm, was not exactly sure what John said he, in the beginning when he, he was talking about his Democratic senators. He said he usually because, he usually favors Democrats, but he doesn't like it when he sees Democrats step up and vote for increased military spending. I think I've got that right. Well, if that's the case, I don't know if Klobuchar and Tina Smith have been proponents of big, higher military spending. I somehow I'd be surprised if that were the case. But 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 John is absolutely right. There is so many issues that are being swept under the rug or ignored, especially financially, when you have a, a focus on military superiority and military spending. And part of the thing with Khashoggi, and, and don't get me started on Khashoggi, or you should get me started on Khashoggi, because I think it's just... A disgraceful lapse of of moral leadership by this country. How are we responded to it? But basically, the the response to it has a lot to do with selling military weapons right. to the Saudis, and and when that replaces human rights and basic decency and respect for life, it just 
says something about this country. And that is my message of the day. Thank you very much. Okay. Authorized and paid for by Ken Rudin for president. <laughs> for president? Did I hear that? Yeah, why not? Oh, okay. Well, okay, school board. You call here from Sandy in Bloomington. Hi, Sandy. Have, have you voted yet? And what's your issue? Uh, no, we have not voted yet. Um, and our main issue is health care. My That's husband a- and I are both 63. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at COBRA, we're looking at the cost of Medicare and Medicare supplements. And the articles in the Star Tribune yesterday about um, elderly people going broke, even with Medicare and supplements, um, trying to pay for health care, it, it's just uh, appalling. Sandy, we've got a number of shows planned on health care uh, before, uh, before Election Day. So I hope you'll listen in. Lots of different elements of this. Thanks for the call. Uh, So, Ken, as you noted, I think a few minutes ago, Democrats have been wanting to talk about health care. They think it's a an issue where they've got, uh, you know, voters engaged. And yet, uh, you know, stuff like immigration tends to knock that off the the headlines. Well, I don't think it may it may knock it off the front page. But as Sandy makes a point that it doesn't knock it off in your personal in your lives. I mean, basically, if you have to make ends meet and you're worried about, you know, whether Medicaid or Medicare can 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 keep you uh, sustainable. Well, that's, you know, that's far bigger than what happens to Khashoggi or Saudi Arabia or an INF treaty with Russia. So I think healthcare is a huge issue. And I think it's also ironic that when you think of how the, the Obama administration was so on the defensive with Obamacare, how the, unaffor- the unaffordable, the Affordable Care Act was really unpopular and gave the Republicans an advantage. And so it seems like to me that the only thing worse than Obamacare was the alternative to Obamacare. And so <laughs> so for the president to be on the defensive on health care and the Democrats on the defensive, and suddenly that is a winning issue that just shows how far um, the, the, the health care issue has affected these people. Because in the past, I mean, I don't remember it being a number one issue at all, but given the fact that that, that Medicaid is barely sustainable, given the fact that Republicans are more and more willing to scrap a health care system uh, 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 that, that helps, that, that, that it pays for pre-existing conditions, that is a big issue. And for many people, that's much more important than foreign policy, yeah, we've as it got, should be. We've got a show, a uh, couple shows coming up on why premiums are, for the first time, declining in the rate of growth. Always have to make sure we, we couch, the, you know, we've explained that correctly. Right. And these high deductible plans, Ken, where I think we will hear from people here in the upper Midwest who say, I've got a plan, I've got health insurance, but I can't use it because the deductible is so high. So there's a lot of different elements to this and to household experience on this. And and I I assume it it helps the Democrats because the Republicans are in charge now and, you know, and and the the premiums are so high. But again, it wasn't that long ago. It was like 15 minutes ago when the Democrats were on the defensive. So it's very interesting to see what happened. Can I just also say one more thing? I am not a fan. I know you have a show on this. I am not a fan of early voting. I think, I mean, unless your mind you is made up of Are you kidding me? Vote. What the hell? No, what? I'm not. Why? I think the, because, because I think things can <laughs> I change. I think I it. Just, there are some what? states that let yeah. you, that some states that let you vote in September 
And I'm thinking, well, look, it's it's like, you know, you don't call a World Series game in the fifth inning. You want to see what happens until the ninth. And unless look, Ken, look, there are a lot of Ken, people. Yes. Here's the yes. thing. There's a lot of people who can't get out on Election Day. No, we want course, maximum critical mass on people voting. I do. Right. I do. So I do. Just to narrow it down uh, to one Tuesday and one day, you know, just, wow, I'm shocked. I understand. Oh, no, no. I, I I hate that idea, too. I think it should be either a weekend or, or a weekend day and no, there's no work and all you can do is vote. I, I mean, look, I love the, the, the opportunity for more people to be able to vote. Me, personally, I just think that... There's there's so many things that happen late in the campaign, October surprises, and to make your you know to to vote in September, I say well you know you can't take it back. So I, I vote the day of. I always vote. I don't vote in primaries. Yeah, but I do same vote here. the day of. Right, I, and I will never. By the way, I should say I will never argue against the thought of opportunities for more people to vote. So that's not exactly what I meant, but. But I did come off embarrassed <laughs> once again. Good. On a, on a that's that's program. my mission. <laughs> uh, yeah, so once again, it worked. <laughs> Good talk. I will talk to you next Monday when we will be one week from the midterm elections. Pretty exciting. And I'll still be and I'll still be chagrined. Yes. You, Good. Uh, I'll talk to you then. This was a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to our discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet Carrie at K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R. And if you miss us live, you'll find all of our shows by subscribing to this podcast. If you have questions, you can email us at talk at mpr.org.